0: The Old Testament reading on this Trinity Sunday is from Genesis chapter 18, where God, the Trinity, appears before Abraham as three princes.
1: The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried... He hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, O my lord, do not pass my servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat, so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice, tender calf, and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near, the, near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well-advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out and my master is old... Will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah
0: will have a son. Here ends the Old Testament. The epistle reading, which will be the basis of our meditation this morning, is from Second Corinthians chapter 13. Beginning verse 11.
1: Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Listen, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Here ends the
0: epistle. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. Just a note, our elector this morning, in case you don't recognize him, is our principal from ISJ Lutheran Academy. That's who that stranger was. (laughs) The Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 28, beginning verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Okay. There must be little people out there. They haven't all gone on vacation. Or have they? Wow. Looks like all both of them this morning. So, any of you want to join them? It's your big chance. Phyllis, you want to do it? Okay. Have you guys played in the grass yet? You roll around the grass? Sit in the grass? Sit in the house where it's cool. <laughs> well, today is Trinity Sunday. What a funny word. It means three, try in one. Uni. Triune. This sounds like some sort of math class. Long ago there was a young Christian fellow that went to Ireland to try to explain God to people. And the Irish people didn't know anything about God at all. They were mean, murderous, bloodthirsty killers, especially their rulers. And the young man named Patrick went out into the field and got, now this is a big one, what is that? A what? A clover a great big clover. Now, the clover is only one leaf, Patrick told them, just like there's only one God. But how many things do you see there? Three. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Oh, it's okay. Now we'll have to ask Ken. Each of these little parts of the clover, what does it look like? What does this part look like? Anything else? A heart. That's right. Because the Father loves you, Jesus the Son loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. They all equally love you. But how many gods have we got? Just one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's as much as I can tell you about Patrick, except that they laughed at this, thought they would kill him, and they couldn't touch him. This God that they laughed about, a trinity, protected him from all the terrible, dangerous Irish chieftains. And because of that, they began asking him, tell us about this God. We want to know more. Okay, so you can go back again. All both of you. All both of you, and Mom too. There we go. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Our text is really the last sentence of of St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. May the God, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's the text. Dear saints of God in Christ Jesus, it is only after Islam had grown and had destroyed most of the Middle East, had burned, looted and slaughtered most of the Christians in that region, had gone up and even taken the great city of Constantinople, had gone into Eastern Europe, had put a lock on all of North Africa and had successfully invaded Spain and were attempting invasions into France, that people started to actually ask questions about, what's this Trinity business? Christians said, we believe there's one God. And the Mohammedans said, we believe in one God. And the Christians, because they were so harried and threatened, were tempted at times to give in. After all. If we both believe in one God, that must be okay. And there were Christians by the thousands because of the threat of that curved sword called the scimitar. Thousands of Christians thought it was a wise idea to convert rather than die. It is in this period that the medieval church began emphasizing at least once a year the notion of God's nature as three persons in one God, the notion of tri-uni, three in one. Up to that point, they didn't have any such festival. They didn't need it. Everybody knew that. Every time you got up in the morning, you would do this, and even Luther emphasizes it in his small catechism. Read it when you go home. You're supposed to rise and get up in the morning and make the sign of the Holy Cross in remembrance of your baptism, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All baptisms, of course, were done in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as we heard in the Gospel for today. But there got to be some very serious questions. For example, if it means my life, do I really have to sign on with this notion of Trinity? That's a made-up word. And the Germans even had it worse. The German word for Trinity is, hold on to your seat, Dreifaltigkeit. Does that sound better? So many Christians were saying, I don't want to die. I can still worship God, because there's only one God. So, Let's investigate a little bit this morning if you give in to that notion. Which, by the way, Christians by the thousands in Europe and in this country have begun to give in. They are worried about getting blown up. They're troubled by all the disruption. They don't want to die. So they think that following the lowest common denominator that we all believe in one God should be enough. So for the case of argument this morning, what if there is, in fact, no Trinity? What if, in fact, there is no separate concepts of Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Would you be just as well off? Paul, by this final benediction called the Pauline benediction is pointing out to us that blessings only come through the Triune God. Again, listen carefully. May the grace that comes through whom? The undeserved love of the Lord, a term pointing to His divinity, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. There is no concept when you have Islam, let alone in Judaism, of God ever actually coming to you and being gracious to you. Now, there are quotations in the Quran which says that Allah is all gracious. However, there's no promise that he's going to be gracious to Ken. He's just kind of gracious in general. In fact, he's pretty quirky about it. Maybe he will be gracious to Ken. Maybe. Maybe not. Instead, he might be gracious. Who shall we pick on? Oh, somebody most holy. Pastor Philip, just wave. (laughs) This notion of grace that's not meant specifically for anybody is of no help at all when you're facing death, when you're looking at your own sins, whether you wonder there is forgiveness, and it's out there sort of maybe, kind of, is that very comforting? Not at all. Let's see, are there any um, northern European people, you know, northern Germans, Scandinavians? I think there's a few. When you go out this week, I'll bet at some point somebody will say to you, good luck, have a nice day. Good luck is based on an old Norse concept that there was a god named Loki. Luck. Luck is, who knows, it's up in the air. Very quirky kind of god, this Loki you can never be sure of what's going to be going on when theologians in Islam are asked about the grace of God they would say it's all up to Allah one can never be sure so if you're facing death and it's all up to Allah who's as bad as Loki that's no comfort Notice what Paul is saying here. The undeserved love, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That's a benediction. That's a sure thing. All that's required on your part is that you have this faith that this Jesus, the Son of God, actually is gracious to you. How can you prove it? Is there any actual way of knowing St. Paul elsewhere says, He that is Christ died for all. He also tells us that because Jesus paid the price on the cross and rose again, therefore you can be absolutely sure that through Christ you have this wondrous, gracious love which saves you, redeems you, forgives you. I can't imagine going to sleep at night without that assurance. It would be an awfully rough night's sleep. In the Son of God, therefore, which is mentioned first, we actually have this grace, this undeserved love. Well, the next one seems very uncontroversial. And the love of God. Islam says that Allah loves you. But unfortunately, that kind of love is just as vague as the notion of grace. He loves everything just sort of in general. He likes rocks and trees and birds and bugs and everything. <coughs> but does he love you? You've had some issues with cancer. According to Islamic theology, you should have grave doubts about whether God really loves you. You must have done something very bad because Allah is also just, extremely just, roughly unjust. Have any of you had any troubles in life? Come on, be honest. According to Islamic theology, you have no notion that this Allah really does love you. Maybe he's in fact hating you. He loves who he loves, he hates whom he hates, and you have no control over it. You cannot make Allah love you if he hates you. Now notice, if you don't get the son correct, the relationship between you and the father will not be correct either. How can you get Jesus, how can you get the Father to love you? Only because you know what his son Jesus has done for you. Besides, the special word that's used is agape. The outflowing love of the Father, it's never, ever selfish. It always flows from him to us. Again, how do we know that? We're told that Jesus is the perfect image of the Father. Total unselfishness on Christ's account. That's how you see the Father's love for us. It's displayed in his Son, Jesus Christ. In the words of a musical, which we had trouble with this morning, you can't have one. No, you can't have none. No, you can't have one without the other. Jesus even makes statements in the Gospel of John that if you reject him, you've rejected the Father who has sent him. So we have grace and love that are a sure thing only as you have this basic understanding of Trinity, the three persons of the Godhead. What's this Holy Spirit stuff? You can say that God the Father loves you. You can say that the Son is gracious to you. But it would seem at times that those two persons of the Trinity are hiding from you. Some of you can't see me. I'm short enough as it is. You're supposed to laugh. It says that we also have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, which is bringing the assurance of the Father's love and the grace of the Son personally to you. Both in Islam and in Judaism, the notion of God is someone far removed from you. He wouldn't want to get anywhere close to you. You are sinful, He is holy. He stands apart from you. He's not going to come anywhere close. But the Father from the very beginning, all the way back in Genesis, made the promise of His Son who would be born of a woman who would come and destroy Satan. He would come in human flesh and blood. The whole Christmas story is about that. And if I add on the truth of the ascension, it becomes even more clear. Let's see who's sitting here by himself. It's poor old Dwayne. He's got his arms crossed. He looks insecure, looking at me funny. Yeah. <laughs> the ascension tells us that since Jesus has ascended into heaven, now He fills the whole universe with His presence. That's telling us, as one old church father said, that Christ is now since his ascension. Col- yeah, don't sit on your glasses. Closer to you than your own soul. How's that? You feel better now? Yeah. I'm not going to kiss you though. <laughs> That'd be too much. I I did shave, though. You did (laughs) shave, okay. Christ is never far away. He is so close that you can't even recognize it. But again, that's the picture that we're given in Scripture of where is Jesus? He fills everything in every way. So never doubt his closeness. He's closer to you than your own soul. Okay, Dwayne, you've been a nice guy. (laughs) And as the Spirit and the Son and the Father are all one, to say that Christ is closer to you than your own soul, what does that mean about your closeness to the Father? Same thing. Through His Son, Jesus Christ, the Father is that close. What does it say about Jesus and the Spirit, all three, there's this inexplainable closeness that you should never doubt. When you do have troubles, you might be tempted to think God doesn't care or he's far away. But the notion of the Trinity is telling us this closeness is always there, even as you're facing death itself, when it seems like everything is falling apart. God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, on our side and at our side. Hopefully by all these shenanigans, you have a better understanding that if you take away any notion of the Trinity, you're taking away your comfort, your peace, the assurance of God's love and grace and salvation and you're just left hanging out there with some vague hopes that maybe God might care a little bit for you. But that's not where Christians are. By the Spirit's doing and through the truth of Scripture, we know this thing called Trinity, and that's to bring us great comfort and peace. Aside from that, I want to assure you that the Trinity is a concept that's been found in the Scriptures from the very beginning. It is not, as Jews and Islamists claim, the Christians made it up. God is called Elohim. It's a Hebrew plural. They had a singular, they had a dual, and you have to have at least three to have a plural. God always calls himself Elohim. Three. Old Testament, how does God show up? Not merely as three men, as that translation says, but literally as three princes. In that story, you will note something curious. Abraham bows down to the Lord, of which there are three. Sometimes it says the Lord, in a singular, will speak to Abraham. At other times it says the three of them said. That's Trinity talk. And the fact that Abraham does the great Salam bow with his face to the ground shows you that he understands who the true God is, who is standing before him. Throughout the Old Testament it is this way of speaking, Isaiah' asked, or God asked Isaiah, "Whom shall I send? I? Who shall go for us?" in the plural. If you go to the New Testament, there's more readings than you want to shake a stick at in terms of Trinity and the interconnection of the three persons of the Godhead. So don't let somebody bamboozle you into thinking Trinity's made up. It's not. It's the very gracious, loving, and close relationship of God to you because this triune God truly does love you. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.